Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show on the Compete Network, powered by Clue, the podcast for product marketers and competitive professionals looking to give their companies a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today we were joined by Maggie Bean, host of New to Product Marketing, and season three of her show is launching now, I believe. It might be live season three as this one gets released. We'll see within the day, within 36 hours. And so excited to have Maggie on and bring new to product marketing to the Compete Network. Ben, why should people listen today? Maggie, in this episode, really unlocked something for me that I know our audience is going to love. So we talk a lot about the importance of knowing your audience, right? We use that a lot. You got to tailor your communication. Uh, to the right department so that they receive the information and your intel the best. But she put a different twist on it. It's not just about knowing your audience. It's about having empathy for your audience. That's how you're really going to know your audience, get into their shoes. So specifically with sales, she brought up the fact that it's their livelihood on the line with sales, right? Their bonus check when they're closing deals, that matters a lot to them. So if you can get into their shoes a little bit, get into their head, understand what works for them, you're going to know your audience better. You're going to be a better, more effective compete pro. And empathy was the word that unlocked it for me. So give that part an extra listen, maybe even roll it back and listen to it again, because I thought she really nailed it there. Yeah, Maggie's awesome. She's a pro. I mean, she's done these interviews. She's done hundreds of these interviews too. So she knows what she's doing behind the mic. Um, she also talked about uh, like supporting sellers with battle cards. By empathizing with them, you understand how to support them better which actually leads us to a little housekeeping before we get into the conversation. We will have another CE Live on that exact topic, how you can help tip winnable deals in your direction. And we'll have none other than Brandon Bedford, Competitive Enablement Manager at Clue, running the show on that one. I will not be there. I'll be in sunny Scottsdale. And he's joined by two Compete Network ambassadors, two of my favorites, Tara Scott, and Eric Holland. So make sure to sign up, check out that one as well. That'll be in the show notes, uh, I believe April 19th, date, time pending, but that is coming up. So check it out. And with that all said, let's get into our conversation with Mac. All right. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Maggie Bean, the host of the new to product marketing podcast. Maggie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Your new season, season three okay. of new to product marketing is coming up. Okay. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, I am so excited for season three of the podcast. Um, and we just hit our one year anniversary of new to PMM um back in march so so yeah it's been great it's a great season uh we have some great topics that we're going to be exploring everything from plg um interviewing from a hiring manager's perspective um so we had one interviewing from a uh you know candidate and now we have somebody actually from google coming on talking about that um and then we have one topic as well I'm super excited for is like product versus product marketing. So a lot of things that people kind of been asking for through the different months um, and we're actually able to chat about on season three. So it's going to be great. 
So we're going to get into a little bit of what folks can expect for season three. Um, link to the show is in the show notes to check it out. As this episode drops, I believe your season will be live and going. So check it out. Before we get into that, um, can you share three takeaways for the product marketing audience? Actionable takeaways could be based on the conversations you've had or what you've been going through with your own career in product marketing. Yeah. Okay. So I have three takeaways. They're very different from each other. So because we co- we cover a lot just in the in the podcast. All right. So three things I feel strongly about for PMMs. Number one, building a personal brand uses the same skills that you use as a product marketer every day, just applied to yourself, not a brand. So I think it's super important for PMMs to build their personal brand. And I think we're equipped with the right skills. So I always tell people about that. Number two, so most of my learnings and I think learnings in general uh, come from conversations with different product marketers and going beyond what's happening at your own company and really spreading your wings and learning from others. Why I love the podcast, uh, it's a way for you to kind of hear other people's perspectives, but always seek out other people's perspectives, coffee breaks, etc. So that is my second takeaway. Um, and my third takeaway is all product marketing jobs are different is something I've learned from the podcast. And a lot of them can have a lot of different skill sets all in one job. And I think it's important as a candidate to kind of learn what type of product marketing role you want to be in and what skills you want to be specialized in and find one that matches that and matches your interests and not feeling the pressure like you have to be amazing at every single skill, like an enablement job, um, versus being really into the research and strategy versus being really like a product launch marketer versus being into content. Like, I think a lot of people feel pressure that way. And that's when I've seen the most mismatch in terms of like not a great fit. So three very different topics for you, Adam, but personal brand PMM skills, um, learn from other PMMs as much as you can and um, finding the right fit based on um, your particular skill set and interests. If I, had to, if I had to wrap it up for you. That's so interesting. I mean, I think about our own lean product marketing team here at Cluen. Yeah, you can touch on so many different areas of the business, so many different roles, so many different hats. Um, that it, Yeah, it can look completely different what you're doing day to day or role to role. I want to get your take too so new to product marketing podcast it's uh a year old now we're going uh-huh. into season three how did we get here what what was the impetus to start the show what is your kind of start in product marketing like what was the what was the nexus point here for sure so i'd say like the new to product marketing podcast came about because i was new to product marketing and looking for resources so that is when i first had the idea I had a broad base in marketing um, coming up, lots of different roles, smaller team sizes, so I got to try a lot of different things. I realized uh, that I really liked doing a combination of creative and strategic uh, activities. So coming up with overall marketing strategy, but I also at the end of my like generalized marketing uh, time in marketing was doing a lot of content writing and really liked that and was skilled in it. So I was really looking for a role that would kind of combine all those things. I found product marketing uh, and 
The job market, I will say, was at a really good time <laughs> when I was breaking in. Um, so there's actually not a ton of friction actually breaking in um, and was able to find a job pretty quickly. Was not a great fit for a job, ended up leaving about three months later. And I think I learned a lot in that process and was like, wow, I wish that I had made a wiser move making the transition in. And then also being the first product marketer in the U.S. at that company was also looking for resources at the time. Um, I found Mary Sheehan's podcast, Woman in Product Marketing, found a lot of value from that. And then at the same time was having a lot of coffee breaks with people, just trying to learn, like I said, my second point, learn from other product marketers beyond my company. And I was like, what Like, what if, what if I packaged up all these coffee break conversations and broadcast it out for the world to hear and have other new PMMs um, learn from them? So that's kind of where the idea of the podcast was started. And that was really like a month into my product marketing career, um, almost two years ago at this point. And then of course took some months to lay the groundwork and then actually get it started um, and start recording and then re uh, release it. So so yeah, that's kind of the evolution um, of the podcast. And also I just felt like there weren't a lot of perspectives from other new people. Like I think I bring a unique perspective and I am somebody who recently made the transition um, versus coming at it from like a expert point of view. So I just thought that there were some there were voices missing and people who had kind of recently made the transition into PMM. So, so yeah, that's kind of how like new to PMM came to be. I, I love the kind of building in public element to, to your show. Uh, you mentioned that sort of, I am new. People can resonate with that too. I, I, I consume a lot of content, podcasts, all of that stuff as well from that expert perspective, which can be, it is great. You get tactical advice from the people that are the best doing it or the most recognizable, but there is a slight disconnect and it's cool to be able to project yourself onto a person like, oh, I'm resonating with the same thing that the guest is going through or the host is going through. And it's, we're kind of working on it together, which is I think why such like, there's been such gravity towards your show and like a community building around it as well as like the shared pains, shared interest points, shared curiosities and questions. What's the evolution being of the show from first episode, season one, to now we're kicking off season three? Has, there, has it changed in terms of the topics you've covered or are you bringing in a bit more expertise? I mean, you yourself have grown probably exponentially in your product marketing career. So what's that look like from one to now kicking off three? Yeah, I mean, I have such a fondness for my first guests, especially my first four, because they signed on to do the podcast when there wasn't a podcast. And I think that's the biggest difference is I was the weirdo in people's like LinkedIn messages like, hey, be on my podcast. It's not a thing yet, but like, trust me, it's going to be great. And I really had, um, you know, those first four really sign on and be like, I love this like as an idea. Um, when I think back to people like, you know, Dana and Zach um, and Elvis and Olivia, I still remember names just because I spent so much time with those episodes as well. Um, so I think the difference there is I was really just making connections to people, seeing who I could get like a great um, connection with and rapport uh, and then trying to find a topic that kind of fit within their life experience. So that was more of the first season, which was finding really great um, magnetic guests who had a lot to share and just kind of shaping an episode based on more of an interview of them. 
And then I think as we've gone more into season two and season three, how it's evolved is I've entered more with a topic and I was actually able to put out to the world for season two and season three, hey, I want somebody who can talk about PLG, um, interviewing all these topics that the audience was asking for. And I actually have more inbound people, rather, if you think like in marketing, inbound, outbound, coming in and saying, hey, I could talk about this. I could talk about that. And being able to um, have guests come in that way versus me going out <laughs> and trying to, you know, find people and then kind of shape a narrative around their story. So um, I think it just is a little bit different. But I think as the as the podcast goes on, it creates for more of a balanced topic flow, um, just trying to cover all of these different topics and kind of space them out in a certain way. Um, and also trying to mix, um, do a mix a of a experts and newbies. Um, I also have um, at least 50% women, usually more, and 50% people of color from season two and three on. So that's also something that I'm really passionate about um, and have dedicated myself to. So um, so yeah, that's just kind of how it's evolved over time. I fondly refer to the first guests on this podcast, Ron, as the guinea pigs, the people that when? were willing to <laughs> just come on and talk while it wasn't even a thing. It's um, I I have great appreciation for those guests too. It's so cool that shouting them out by by name, and I'm sure you can remember those first conversations, those first hiccups behind the mic as well. Um, for sure. I mean, they still happen, folks. They still happen. We just have good audio editing in the background, people. Yeah, it still happens. I may <laughs> or may not have a secret first episode that never aired because the PR department for that company did shoot it down. So I can't name those people by name, but I also want to give a shout out. You know who you are. But yeah, I know Adam has the most shocked face right now. But that's PR like PR shot it down. What kind of details? What kind of hot gossip did I... you get out of your first interview? <laughs> it was not even that bad. PR saw the they saw the questions before the interview too and they were like yeah this is good but it's a pretty high profile company and like a really competitive space so I just think they were like no we're not going to do this but um that was really sad but that was the original first episode unaired I'm gonna like put it in a vault somewhere and in 50 <laughs> years like unveil it of like the actual like the first episode but that's a little secret just between you and me Adam and your entire audience um that there is a secret episode the lost it's a good tapes. one too. It the was, lost it was sad. Tapes. That's, right. <laughs> oh my gosh! You, you piqued my curiosity. Though I really, I gotta find this. Maybe we'll have to get this offline. Yeah, no, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a little slack later. And let you know <laughs> who it was. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from the Compete Network. If you're feeling like the new kid at school when it comes to product marketing, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Maggie Bean, the host of New to Product Marketing a show for new and aspiring product marketers learning what it takes to launch a successful product marketing career. From deep dives on the fundamentals with experts to learning from other newbies how they made the switch, we're pulling back the curtain with candid real-life advice to guide you in your PMM journeys. So join me, Maggie Bean, for season three of the New to Product Marketing podcast, powered by the Compete Network. All right, back to the show. So obviously being a host of this show, you've, and the get the different types of guests you brought on, I'm, you've probably learned so much from the guests that you brought on as well, especially when it is just sort of building, growing as, as, as new, being new to this profession. So mm -hmm. are there some particular 
interviews so far to stick out in your mind or specific lessons or pieces of advice tactics from guests in seasons past yeah there definitely are uh i think that i mean from every interview i've learned something and i'm so grateful for all of my guests i have just like the weirdest it's always the smallest things that really resonate with me um i did an episode with scott shapiro uh last season and um there was just this one thing that he said and it doesn't even have anything to do with product marketing he was talking about how um, a lot of times people who are new in their career they go into a meeting and they're really hyper focused on like oh i said this thing wrong or uh i i made a mistake in front of my boss or this thing happened and just are really like self-aware and he said that early in his career, he thought of his reputation as like a series of points. So like he'd go into a situation, he'd be like, okay, I did this good thing. So in my boss's mind, like I went up a little bit or I did this bad thing. So I went down a little bit. And he said something that he's learned in his career is that people's opinions of you are pretty like stagnant. Like people really have an opinion of you and you can do little things to change it. But, you know, after time, and it's helped him feel a lot less self-conscious in those situations where he's made a mistake. And I think it's been really freeing for me. Like, I think if I made a mistake at work, uh, I'm not like, oh my gosh, my boss thinks I'm incompetent now. He's never going to trust me with anything again. Like, I just think that it's like, you know what? I've proven myself over this period of time. He knows what I can do. And he's not suddenly going to think like, wow, Maggie, like she's an idiot. <laughs> like now or she said this thing. Um, and the same thing, like, I just think that um, other people's opinions of us, first off, I think disconnecting from that is good as well, just because, you know, that's a whole other can of worms um, about, like, investing so much in other people's opinion of you. But that was just really the most, like, poignant piece of advice that I've really taken with me um, in terms of, like, life advice. So definitely, I think of that interview with Scott. And I have a few other examples, but that's just, like, my, like, I think everybody should think about like interactions this way um it's really been a game changer for me i had a big screw up yesterday maggie you did what did and you later, do oh nothing much i can't get into the details but <laughs> i just did, i just something just went over my head didn't think it through same thing uh my manager was like ah that was not smart probably shouldn't have done <laughs> that um but to your point i think having that if if you were constantly worried about okay that's put me down two rungs to up three rungs it's a it's a it's just you're never gonna you're just constantly gonna be looking to go up and up and up and i don't think it's a fulfilling mindset i think it's like keeps you away from the work that actually probably brings you the most joy or makes you the most productive mm -hmm. um and having those kind of things in the back it's a hard thing to do I think to practice, I think you mentioned that, like you need to have a level of like self-confidence, self-awareness, self-worth, which is like a whole nother kettle of fish we could talk about. But um, yeah. it it really is, it's, it's that kind of delicate balance. Obviously, when you have a manager or other coworkers you're working with, there uh -huh. has to be like relationship building. But I love that thing that don't fret about it too much. Don't, For sure. Um. Can you share another couple lessons as yeah, well? Yeah, of course. Um, so I had a talk um, with Gerard Green about empathy with sales. 
in the sales team and this really just i think brought me so he he works a high spot with his, which is a sales enablement company and i also just know that Gerard has the best relationships with his sales team mostly because we were at one point um in talks with high spot and literally like they were always talking to me about Gerard. like they love Gerard on all of the posts about um the podcast promo they were there in the comments like Gerard's the best and i've never seen like someone's sales team is so stoked about them. So I was like, you know what? Like I am going to listen to this guy when he's talking about how to build relationships with sales. Like they trust him. And yeah, I mean, he just had so much great feedback on like the situation that sales is in. Like I think as a product marketer, like we have our own kind of a situation at work and how we are judged on things and how what our success looks like at work and i just think like for sales it's it's almost it's pretty straightforward like are they reaching their number and their number is like dollars and cents like for me you know you get a bonus at the end of the year i have my salary that i get every month it doesn't really change but like for sales like this you know their work is precious to them because like it's like money (laughs) like you know it's a it's the difference between like you know, getting a big paycheck at the end of the month or not. Like this this work really matters to them. And I think like when you're coming into that their process and you're saying like, oh, you need to change this thing or um this thing isn't working or um can I I can help you in this way or I know better than you in this way. Like I think they can be really protective of it because this is super important to them. Like I think framing everything now going forward as like this is gonna make you more revenue or like this is gonna make you hit your number because of this or I'm trying to help you and having them trust you as someone who's knows what they're doing and is coming in and actually going to help them and be a resource for them rather than you know somebody who's oh you really should be doing it this way and they're like no like this is what's worked in the past and um so I think that's really helped and um just like some of his suggestions around like meeting with sales like I know when I was promoted um from associate PMM to PMM last year like I met with every single member of my sales I mean we're a mid-sized company but I met with everybody who sells my products and I like basically chatted with them for like a half an hour each and was like what's not working what's working how can I help what do you need and just getting FaceTime like individually, you know, not rounding everybody up in a meeting and being like, hey, what do you need, guys? But like really trying to like make one to one connections and be able to like forge those relationships individually is what kind of makes like those that has really like made a difference, I feel, and um, being able to influence. So so, yeah, that entire that entire conversation was really just super well received by the audience as well as just helpful from my own perspective did he that that note of empathy with sales did that kind of reframe how you approached your own work like did it change how you took on building a position in document or how you want to bring a product like how did yeah that kind of understanding of empathy with sales shift how you did your own work Yeah, I think like you just have to put yourself in their point of view of how they're doing their work. Like if they're looking at a competitive battle card, think of them like, are they on a call? Are they literally like on a call with a prospect trying to multitask and 
pull up, oh, oh shit, like what did this competitor do? I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here. But like, oh no, what did this competitor do? Um, I haven't heard of this before. Like they have clue going in the back clue going in the background. So I know like when we're setting up our cards, um, and this is like promo for yeah, anyway. Um <laughs> We didn't pay her to say this. I did not pay yeah, no. Real clue user. Um, but really like I think when you can take our clue for an example, like when we first set up our board, like they were written in a product marketing way, which is like detailed like we're researchers like oh yeah they need to know this and this and this is this important piece of information but then i had to think like okay if they're on a call like they don't want to dig through oh like they have 632 employees and their revenue was this much last year they want to know like what features they have that we don't what their price point is like how to talk like what talking points they should use so i think it's that um and then just like as well as getting more feedback i think throughout the process as well has just really changed my work too just trying to go directly to the source um and involve them in the creation process as much as possible so stuff is more well received versus like we go into a room somewhere for three months and like create an asset and then give it to them they're like oh this isn't helpful you know this isn't helpful in my day-to-day work this isn't what i need so i mean so, yeah, different ways that it's that- impacted that lesson applies to like full marketing really i actually felt that especially at clue we've grown when i joined here we were 40 people now we're shoot i'm not in we're in the mid 200s and the shift from that to that is before everything you did working as a marketing team whether it was in product marketing related stuff content related stuff anything like there was pure visibility and there's full visibility and you knew the salesforce you knew them all by name you had a relationship like by nature of just being together and then as you grow and there's these like there's just becomes degrees of separation as a natural evolution of a business that you realize shoot there is so much you need to do from that internal stakeholder buy-in or just that those touch points that you don't to what you mentioned and we've talked about this so much in the podcast like covering uh-huh. away doing your three months of research and then saying ta-da it's like no one else has been with you for those three months they haven't been on the on the journey which is honestly like the part of understanding right being a kind of tapped in on that process the v1 the v2 the v3 that got tweaked that's how you have a better level level of like empathy and understand with whatever the content collateral is that's coming from a marketing lens to a seller lens um before we get into rapid fire did you have any other kind of lessons you've taken from interviews that you're applying into your own work today yeah um I don't know. I'm such like a big picture gal. Like I'm like I'm like a wow. This really blew my mind. Um, I mean, give me that then. Let's go that way. Like, give me, give me, yeah, give me no. the one that blew your mind. So, um, it's actually the episode that just launched um, with Madison Leonard about product led growth, and um, I've been like learning about product led growth. Um, we have some PLG products um at my company uh that we've launched, and uh. Yeah, I, I kind of have like, I'd say like beginner level though, like knowledge of it going into the episode. And um, I kind of seen firsthand some of the challenges of adopting PLG at my company. And it's mostly like the emotional element um, when you come into a very sales-led organization and you're like, hey, for this product, like we're going to have the product lead, they're going to go into free trial first. 
And um, Madison just really helped me understand um, some of the how PLG benefits the sales team. Like when you are talking to somebody who's already been in the product, first off, like you can see what their activity is um, and you're developing champions um, and making the process easier and you're making them easier to sell to. And I think like presenting it from that perspective and I told her in the episode, I'm like, you should give this talk to sales teams. Like that's where you need to go. Like you need to go like evangelize PLG to sales. And I think it's the name that is that freaks people out. Like I think if you're saying, oh yeah, we were sales led and now we're product led. It seems like you're switching teams, right? It's like, yeah, we used to really care about you and you were the tip of the spear, but now we're going to like do this with the product and like you're not as important or whatever. We're, we're doing a different focus. We're not as focused on you. And that's just like tr- not true. Uh, so I think that was that was something that was big. And like the second thing of her episode is that I, I talked to her. I was like, from the more you're talking to me about PLG, it seems like the buying process today, like if somebody invented SaaS buying, it probably would look like PLG. Like back then, they didn't really have the tools to do PLG. You know what I mean? Like I just think this this whole like, yeah, we're going to show you. And she 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 talked a lot about it too. Like, would you rather me show you a picture of something or actually be able to like go in and try it out yourself? So I think it's almost like, I think that's kind of where we're moving to it because it's really the most natural way to buy software, in my opinion. Uh, and then have that like the sales assist and really bringing it home and that personal touch and value statements and bring all the different stakeholders on board with the, with the salesperson. So so yeah, so those are some big takeaways from today's episode. Um, so I, I definitely recommend, and she also gets into some more tactical stuff as well, but just like those bigger bigger picture ideas really changed how I was thinking about it. And you know, if I move forward to a company in the future that is PLG and we're doing that transition, those talking points or something, I'll definitely take with me as I'm like presenting to the sales team, this is what PLG can do for you. So um, so yeah, that was, that was Madison's episode and you can... Listen now, folks. Listen now. Show notes, show notes, show notes. Listen now. <laughs> Go to the show that, notes. That is, yeah, the, even the way you described that in that one one minute answer there, it definitely reframed for me. It's it's, it's such an easy reaction, just that s- switch from sales-led to product-led. There could mm-hmm. be a lot of assumptions made with that, but actually grounding in what does this mean in reality? And ultimately, sure. it seems like a benef- benefit to a seller to be able to customize how they sell. Yep. Are you ready for producer Ben's favorite segment? Oh, I'm so scared. I feel like producer producer Ben is also my producer, so I feel like he was meaner for me in the quick question than <laughs> a stranger. But um, I'm scared. Shout out producer Ben helping produce season three of New to Product Marketing. So for sure, he Much does appreciate it. He does the Lord's work over there. All right, let's get into it. Question one. Again, my disclaimer, listeners. Anything they get, can or does get said, this is all producers Ben's fault. <laughs> Reach out to him at producerben at clue.com if anything happens here. Question one, is Bean really your last name or is it just a cool stage name for your show? <laughs> it is really my last name and Maggie is really my first name. It is not Margaret for the record. For the record, producer Ben, my mother's maiden name is Bean as well. So. Oh my God, we're related. And my brother's name is Adam. So this is all connected. We're <laughs> long lost cousins. <laughs> this is all covered full circle. 
What is the most random place you've ever traveled to? Random place? Oh my gosh. Um, random place I've ever traveled to? Probably Tennessee, like the mountains of Tennessee, because that's where my grandfather is from. Like, yeah. Oh. It's yeah. That's that's probably the most re- the most random. Irwin, Tennessee. Shout out um, to there. You probably have never heard of it. Irwin, no. Not even a little no, bit. No, no, no. What's the best part about living in New England? Oh my gosh, the best part about living in New England is the fall and the leaves change color and it matches my hair and I feel very aesthetic and at home in my environment. <laughs> and um, the worst part is everything else. No, I'm kidding. But um, fall, <laughs> is, fall is lovely here. If you were stuck on a desert island and could only bring one book, what would it be? Oh my gosh, one book. Probably Harry Potter um, book four because it's the longest. Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire, yeah. My partner, because I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but my partner is. And I always say, I like Goblet of Fire. And she's like, oh, that's that means you're mainstream. You can't say you like book four. Yeah, it's just the longest. I love book <laughs> two. Um, Chamber of Secrets is like my like... Like, I love book two, but also it's really short. I feel like if I was on the desert island, I had to be trapped somewhere. Book four is, you know, what I go for. And that is rapid fire. Maggie, thank you so much for joining me. How can people connect with you, reach out with you, learn more about the show? Yeah, so connect with me on LinkedIn. um, And uh, you're going to get all your info about the show from there. I post about it all the time. Um, shoot me a shoot me a note too. I love to chat with people, especially people who are new or aspiring product marketers, um, just about the field. So I'm a PMM nerd. I love to talk about it. So feel free to chat. Um, and yeah, we have a really friendly community too. I know people reach out a lot to my guests and stuff as well. And um, so yeah, come on over and would love to chat. Maggie, thank you so much. Everyone, season three, new to product marketing. Check it out now.